Hello, folks. This is Renaissance Marie, one of the co-hosts of The Lavender Menace. I am sad to announce that this is another late episode. Hopefully, this will not be a habit. Um, first, we, Sunny and I recorded on time on Friday, and you'll kind of hear what happened to that episode that was sadly lost to time. Um, basically, just technical issues, and that episode ended up getting deleted with no backup or anything. Very, very sad. Then Sunny and I recorded a new episode with all new topics on Saturday that you are about to hear that discussion. And when Sunny was editing, it was believed that uh, the project that she was working on was deleted and all the work that she had put in was gone and it was just the raw audio. We just now found out another day late that that was not the case. So this is me, Renaissance, touching up on the editing that Sunny had started. Uh, but of course, this is not applicable information to you, the listener, because by the time you're listening to this, the episode is done edited and posted for your listening pleasure. So that's just some backstory on why this is another late episode. Hopefully, uh, this will be made up for our next week's episode where we have our very first guest on um, and you'll hear more about that throughout the episode. And again, I hope you guys enjoy as always. And this is The Lavender Menace. Hello, welcome to The Lavender Menace podcast. This is Sunny, your co-host. I am a booktuber. I use they, she pronouns. I am a Cancer Sun, Capricorn Moon, Gemini Rising. A Swifty, a Gaylor conspiracist, and a generally very cool, awesome, and amazing person. Hi, I'm Renaissance Marie, your other co-host. I am an Aries. I am a French speaker, but also a Francophobe. So that's mm. a fun. It's like um, how we're gay polarity. but homophobic. Exactly. I'm a lesbian, but also homophobic. Um, I am 5'6", which is taller than Sunny. I am 5'8 and a quarter. 5'8 and a quarter. Everyone say that to yourself and imagine it. Sunny is 5'3". And I am uh, a borrower of sorts. And (laughs) (laughs) they learn from the best. Me. And overall, I think just um, a great addition to the party, both because I love to have fun and I'm a mom friend, so you will go home uh, nice and safely. So today, dear listeners, we are once again bringing to you a podcast episode a day late because instead of a full body injury like last time, what has what has prevented us? This is an injury of the soul. Literally, yes, literally, because last night. We were recording. We got to like we got to ninety minutes of the podcast, of like raw podcast, and we were towards the end. And then the app that we used to record this fucking crashed, and we lost the entire fucking episode. And it was a really good episode. Like I know so not good. to rub it in your face because you literally have no context for what the episode was no point of reference but it it was a pretty good episode and it was like we were just kind of silent for a healthy 30 minutes after we lost the episode because it was it was it was like a loss of a child 
it was really good work <laughs> it was mm-hmm. just gone with mm-hmm. no backup like no backup so did, yeah yeah we messaged anchor we terrorized them they were tried to be as helpful as they could be but unfortunately it's it is gone forever so you know we're trying we're gonna we're we have a back we learn from our mistakes we grow so we're gonna have a backup recording this time so when if when and if this app crashes we don't lose everything we decided that instead of trying to replicate our incredible banter and conversation from last night we're just going to do a whole new episode we're gonna talk about different things well some some there'll there'll be some overlap but like we don't want to bring up something in conversation and rehash everything as if we're talking about it for the first time because that's like not the nature of the show and also because we don't we don't want to constantly referencing back to what we were talking about last night because obviously you guys weren't there for that so like how would you know what the fuck we were talking about so we're just gonna be talking about different things this time generally speaking um the, the charm of the podcast is us making revelations in real time in our conversations mm-hmm. finding mm-hmm. those gems and it would just be inauthentic if we try to recreate our thought process as if we were making those comments for the first time for sure maybe we'll revisit those comments but we need we need some time to pass we need yeah we need to move from that topic for a while and maybe it, when the time comes we will Exactly. So today we are bringing to you our regular podcast episode show where it's a three part series. It's a three part situation. First part, we talk about um, a hot take, an internet discourse thingy, dialogue, something that is present in our spheres, discuss it. um, Mm -hmm. And from our lens as very cool, awesome, epic lesbian communists of color. And then we go into our second portion of the podcast where we discuss a piece of media that we consume together. And then finally, we recommend to each other media that we think the other person would enjoy and should have and actually has the moral obligation to consume. So the first topic that we're going to be talking about, <laughs> I can't even say Today, we're going to be talking about bisexuals, specifically um, bisexual girls and women, people who date lesbians, people who still have genuine attraction to men and women. Yes. But are attracted to men as well. Yes. Yes. Honestly, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm (laughs) sorry. But also, we need to talk about how... Okay, we're going to be canceled. We're going to be dragged for this. Yeah. Listen, listen, I have a very scathing hot take. And that is that biphobia is not real. (laughs) It's so, it sounds like fake nervous to be like, oh my gosh, we're going to get so canceled for saying this. But it's true. There's no oppression. It's just the oppression isn't biphobia it's yeah homophobia and misogyny yeah and also like the reason why this is already exist right like this is the thing that the reason why i really bring this up is because every week on the timeline every day actually every hour someone makes a tweet that appears on my timeline that is basically like Mm -hmm. stop shaming bisexual women for dating men it's like okay first of all who the fuck is doing that literally who who is doing that who like as a, as, people like, think as that lesbians. lesbians existing is just shaming other people. Like, 
are you serious? You can't be serious. Because I don't sit around thinking, oh my gosh, wow. It is so sad that bisexuals are dating men and not me. Or on the other hand, wow, it sucks so bad that I as a lesbian, other lesbians hate bisexuals. Like, no. What do you, genuinely, I want to know, like, what do people think lesbians are doing every time they bring supposed question the supposed this theoretical thing this theoretical possibility of like lesbians just sitting around hating bisexuals like well, that is kind of what we're doing right now but, for- <laughs> but it's because you guys think it's because- that's what we do unprompted yes and i think like the issue is i don't know as a lesbian it, it like oh someone being bisexual like, I'm interested in people who have the capability to be interested in me. I do not care if you are also attracted to men or anything else. I want to know if we can kiss right now. Then that is fine. But this idea that somehow, how, like, being attracted to a bisexual or being with a bisexual person is different. Like, okay, this gets to the real meat and potatoes of our gripe with uh people being like stopped by phobia is people bisexual girls who have a loving boyfriend who have a, just a regular relationship with their boyfriend with a man and then continually and perpetually shits on the concept or the ideology of having a boyfriend or when like men. they are dating men when they are actively participating in that and it's not funnier or quirky, I don't yeah. think. Especially yeah. if, if it's like, I'm not saying that no one can ever complain about their significant other. like Or dating men in general. Like, if I think yeah. people complaining about their attraction to men is, like, fine. Because, look, it that is pretty cursed. Like, that sucks for you, you know? Yeah. And I would complain about it, too. But I don't have that problem. <laughs> and I think that, like, that general attitude that people, people are so offended offended at that people are so genuinely because lesbians are the only people in in the lgbt community that are not attracted to men or like it's or it's explicit in our identity that we are not men and that we do not like men like that is Mm -hmm. inherent to our identity and no one else in the community can say that you know like that's just not the case so I think that the fact that we get a lot of shit for like or we or supposedly people are mad at are are angry at us or or like people are not happy that we are happy that we don't like men like what I think that it's okay for us to be happy and revel in the fact that we're not attracted attracted to men the same way that you guys can also complain about being attracted to men because it's i like we're allowed to have feelings about and we are allowed to have like preferences that really aren't harmful and i think that this is the other thing that i see often is that people i feel like there's this assumption that like lesbians like you know, they don't like bisexuals or whatever, don't like bisexual girls because they think that they're, like, tainted by, like, men or whatever. But that is such, <laughs> that's such an old school, like, idea. Like, I can't imagine. I was going to say that it sounds like something that old lesbians would say. Like, like curfee-ass like... lesbians. Like, yeah. Ellen types. You yes. Know? Like, I can't imagine anyone, because, what, are you kidding me? The biggest dating pool that we have is bisexual women. Bisexuals make up the majority of the queer community across the board. So any queer person is most likely going to date a 
bisexual person than right. someone within their like same identity yeah. pool within the queer exactly. community. Exactly. Like it's just much more. I basically all of my lesbian friends and me, myself included have only dated bisexual girls. Like yeah. Same. In my previous like relationships, like we, I never. That's not a thing to hold against someone. It's never because who cares? You're in the relationship with the person, and the same thing with bisexual girls who have boyfriends. It's like, why would you hold the fact that he's a man against him? Because you are in a relationship with him. If I'm in a relationship with a bisexual girl, I'm not gonna hold the, the fact that she is a bisexual against her. Like we're literally dating. Like we're in a healthy, loving relationship, and it's fine. I don't care. Like, well, that's you in a healthy, are. loving relationship is something that's science of this. fiction. That's fantasy. Yeah. That I, is something yeah. outside of this topic of conversation. Yes, that's true. I haven't seen that, but that that has neither to do with you being a lesbian or the other person being a bisexual. Those uh, they are independent Unrelated. of each other. Yeah, <laughs> unrelated. Oh but I also think something that is something that I was talking about with my bisexual friend. Oh, this is the other thing. So much bi discourse is brought about by cis people. And, like, white cis people, like, privileged cis people. It's like, you guys are basically begging for a crumb of oppression here. Because you date men. You almost exclusively date men. You almost exclusively sleep with men. You're white. You're a cis girl from the suburbs. But you are begging. You are basically asking for the LGBT community. You're asking for lesbians to validate your identity as a queer person. Which, first of all, you shouldn't need that validation. If you're queer, you're queer. Period. And second of all, like, why? why, What is the purpose? I don't get it. I don't get the point. And it's also just this idea that queer isn't aesthetic and somehow dating a man ruins that aesthetic. How can you signal to other people? Like, also, if you're bisexual and you're dating a man, but you're also, like, polyamorous or, like, you have relations with multiple people at a time, if, like, and and you're queer, then, like, just flirt with the people that you want to flirt with like you don't have to perform right. queerness you don't have yeah. to try and mitigate or downplay the fact that you're in a regular loving healthy relationship with a man in order to appear more queer like yeah it's weird it's that's why weird. bisexuality exists is that you right. can be queer and have loving relationships with a man and if you're monogamous and you are like one bisexual girl in a relationship with a straight man then you're a bisexual girl who's in a loving, healthy relationship with a straight man. Like, th- yeah. there's nothing that's, like, being erased. And also just, like, no one is making laws being, like, I want to specifically discriminate against bisexual people. Right. It's, like, right. you would be discriminated in certain cases if you were in a relationship with someone of the same sex or same gender and you yeah. like are bisexual yeah. because the but thing about like that's gender... not like biphobia like yes. that's not yes and like because i feel like the whole concept of biphobia is so no, it's not rooted in materialism it's not rooted in reality in like the actual functioning systems of oppression in the real world because in the real world systems of oppression such as patriarchy and capitalism and heterosexism they all work together to reinforce each other and they are also enforced through social norms through laws through religion through you know through these standards like they're enforced by these things and if you look at how they are enforced you are punished for being perceived as gender non-conforming or non or, or not conforming to heterosexuality. And if you and your partner are both like cis and they and you guys are in a hetero relationship in that one is a dude, one is a woman, mm-hmm. like that you guys the are two not genders. Actually- 
dude yeah. and woman. That's not going against patriarchy or heterosexism in any way. Not that your relationship has to. Like, your no relationship has to be, like, revolutionary or go against the grain or, like, have to make a statement about No one's relationship has to be fundamentally, like, that deeply, like, political because who, like, who fucking cares? People are going to love who are going to love. Also, that's irrelevant to the day-to-day machinations of upholding a relationship. Exactly. If, if the number one issue in your relationship is that you don't feel like you're being seen as gay enough or queer enough because you're dating a man, then that's like, do you have, are you focusing on no other part of the fact that like you're in a relationship with a yeah. real other human being? Yeah. And that's like the part, I. that's the another part that I think is weird is that this idea that shitting on your boyfriend because you want to be with a girl or whatever it, it doesn't make lesbians or or the people that you wish you were in a relationship with feel pined after it, it it's yeah that's not it, desirable at the end of the day the little things like when you're in a real relationship with someone it doesn't matter if they're like straight or gay I mean obviously you're gonna bond and have different like shared views right. and stuff like that but like if the entire time the only thing that you're thinking is like, oh, I wish this person wasn't a man. First of all, there's the lesbian master doc. If you hate your boyfriend so much, you might just be a lesbian. But right. if you're not, then like, w- why? Why do you hate yeah. someone who loves you because yeah. of who they are? Yeah, exactly. And I also think like, and back to the, okay. Also, I feel like the conversation of like, how do you feel, hi bisexual girls, how do you guys feel connected to the LGBTQ community if you're dating like a straight man or whatever? That, okay, uh, uh, again, that that question is annoying on many levels that we've already discussed. But like, the second thing is that if someone looks like they're in a male-female relationship, if it, that's what it appears to be, but they're both gender non-conforming or they're both queer, they're both bi, like, that's an entirely different, like, dynamic altogether. And it's totally erased within the question and the framework of, like, what do you do, bisexuals, if bisexual girls, if you're dating, like, a straight man? Because it's, like, in from my experience, basically every bi girl I know who has been in a relationship with a man, the man has also been genderqueer or, like, or, like, bisexual as well. Like, or queer in some way or question their gender and sexuality within the course of that relationship. Queer people find each other exactly at least in my experience like queer people find queerness attractive like you Mm -hmm. being someone who you feel like is within the same community as you is you you already know that they they're gonna be vibe with you on the same level for certain things just right off the bat I mean 99% of the time so it's like obvious if you guys both realize oh I'm not actually like a cis woman I'm not actually like a cis man I'm not actually like straight the way that I think I am um and your partner helps you helps you find that even if you guys are in a supposedly or like from the beginning at the beginning of the relationship was a like cis het relationship like that's cool and that's and that in itself is like your guys's queer relationship and experience and understanding of yourself and I think like that idea of the individual queerness like the the experience of being LGBTQ like within yourself versus within a structural societal problem it it, it kind of brings up the question again of like your every interpersonal interaction and also like your individual experiences or like something negative happening to you or something that the vibes being off for you that is not the same thing as like oppression like Mm -hmm. it's you're not oppressed 
for dating men. In fact, the oppressive systems of the world want you to date men. That's actually how it works. Those are the machinations of patriarchy. They want women to date men. It wants women to date men. And that's how every legal and cultural system in the world works, right? So to complain about what is something that is deeply, first of all, interpersonal between you and your partner and you within yourself to the public audience of the greater LGBTQ community of being like, wow, I feel like you guys don't see me as queer enough. Who fucking cares? You know you're queer. Your partner knows you're queer. And even if within the eyes of the law and when you're holding hands with your partner in public, like no one thinks, wow, that's a gay couple. Like, it, you don't need that validation when you're not in a relationship that requires that validation. I agree. This entire time, i not going to lie. I mean, I, I was listening, but I also was just thinking about the news that Aubrey Plaza just got married to a man and she's bisexual. <laughs> and so that really was just hitting home for me in a very personal way. <laughs> her photos with Dakota Johnson are so iconic. And yes, um, also yes. her moments with um, Elizabeth Olsen in uh-huh. the promo for the movie that they were in together. And then there's also this, there, there's clips of them. I'm not going to get into detail because <laughs> I will start filming at the mouth oh describing God. them. I, like, I really want to know who are these lesbians that are going around bullying bisexual women and are just and how like... can I join them? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but also, like, I also think it's just the perception of somehow lesbians saying that they don't experience attraction to men is somehow perceived as bullying by women for being attracted to men. And it's also just not the case. Like lesbians, like, oh my gosh, that brief moment on TikTok when uh, bisexuals were trying to say that the lesbian master doc was biphobic because he didn't (laughs) talk about attraction to men and how, like, the experience of being attracted to women and being attracted to men. And it's like lesbianism... First of all, the lesbianism existing is not biphobic. Like bisexual yeah. people not being accepted into lesbianism is why lesbianism exists. Right. So like someone talking about their experience figuring out that they weren't attracted to men or saying jokes about not being attracted to men is not biphobic. In the same way that like gay men talking about well no, because sometimes gay men are misogynistic. But gay men just saying that they aren't attracted to women is not inherently like lesbophobic or right. against sapphism. Like they're gay men for a reason. Right. That's why it exists. Yeah. Um but for some reason they do not get the same amount of slack and hatred yeah. that yeah. lesbians do. Yeah. And, but and like, the thing is it's because they're men at the end of the yeah. day. Like, women yeah. will always get the brunt of all of the supposed societal ills because they're supposedly all our problems. Like, every man who's ever done a mass shooting, it's because his mom didn't, like, raise him right. Every man mm-hmm. who's ever, like, bit, you know, like, oh my god. Every single interpersonal or societal greater issue is always, like, it's it's always women's fault for some fucking reason. Goddamn. But because right? lesbians are... Not all women, but non-men, right? Um, who have who do not seek relations with men. Yeah, it's like the that is the greatest affront to patriarchy. Yeah, because listen, listen, the way that patriarchy works is fundamentally 
homoerotic for men, right? Because it's about men accumulating power and using that power over other people. And it's about men consolidating their power with each other, which is why straight men are oftentimes exhibiting the most homoerotic behaviors in trying to utilize their relationships with women as a way to impress other men, right? That's that is a, that's an experience and that's like an academic reality and social reality that many people have spoken about and written about and like studied Fight club. because- Right, no, social network. it is so true that men use women to impress other men. Men use their, and, but the thing is that with, with like, with women and with like non-men and with, and with lesbian relationships and sapphic relationships, that is, that is not, <laughs> that is an affront. That's patriarchy. not the objective of our yeah. relationship. Exactly. And also it's like, it's, it's an affront to patriarchy because no men are involved. And that power that patriarchy holds, because patriarchy, even within the word itself, is all about, right, men having power over other people. The man isn't even there. The man's not even in the picture, which is why when we use, when you use the term, like, queer in the sense of, like, going against patriarchal and cisgender standards, going against heterosexist standards, going against heteronormativity, right? Like, when we talk about queerness, then, yes, your male-female relationship your cis male-female relationship, regardless of your guys' sexualities, is not queer in that sense of the term. Because queerness mm-hmm. meaning going against this patriarchal like standard and system, like your relationship doesn't really challenge that in any in any real way, especially like if you're monogamous, I feel. And like, but the thing is is that every sapphic relationship, every relationship between two non-men is always going to be in affront to the patriarchy and it's always going to be a threat to it because it creates a world and it creates conditions that allows for a world and allows for an imagination and allows for the construction of a community that doesn't center men lesbians talking about the community that does not involve men is not inherently biphobic that is just the reality right. of lesbianism it's, it's misandrist and i think and this, it's good I, thus because of the misandrist anyways it is, but I think a lot of this, like, oh, stop bullying by women for dating men or whatever. It's like lesbians saying that they don't date men is not bullying by women for dating men or who are in a relationship. Right, and that's that's really the point, men. to be honest. And also, this is the other thing I was going to bring up earlier was that I was talking to my friend who is a bisexual woman, and mm-hmm. she's trans, and she and I were talking about how annoying bisexual women are, <laughs> especially because because she was talking about like like other bisexual women especially like cis cis girls like uh, being affronted at the idea uh, even the idea not even the reality of like lesbians not dating people dating within their community is fine it's good and it's okay like how many people don't want to get into interracial relationships because they are not comfortable with dating outside of their own race i mean not unless you're white that that's kind of weird if you're but, like, white you're just racist yeah you're literally just white terrorist but like for other people it's like if you don't want to date outside your own culture that makes so much sense because because why would you like i mean you you want to be connected on that level so why does it why is it somehow a form of oppression uh to for lesbians to exclusively date other lesbians like that's just a normal part of what it's like being within a marginalized community that's why there's like 
tea for tea relationships right like people who are like mm-hmm. exclusively people who are trans who are exclusively into relationships with other trans people like no one's shaming that as being exclusionary because we understand how patriarchy and gender and biocentralism works it works in the sense that like trans people are systematically like dehumanized by all other people who aren't trans the same way that lesbians are dehumanized by all people who aren't lesbians so we are allowed to only date each other because sometimes that is safer for us you know and that because again like we were saying earlier like bisexual girls can be very lesbophobic especially in the in these conversations about what is considered biphobic or not oftentimes what they're bringing up as being quote-unquote biphobia is literally just again like renaissance and i have been saying for the past 30 minutes just lesbians existing yeah and and allowing spaces that are gay that don't include men right and that is not biphobia because lesbians have had to have been forced to interact with men when that is not our that's not our stitch okay that's not what we do yeah um so within our own communities and within our own circles and stuff it is and also this is what i also want to say is that like only being interested in dating other lesbians that in itself is very diverse exactly there's so many so many different types of lesbians because (laughs) right what people often think of lesbians first of all so many of them think of ellen degeneres and i can't wait for her to be just permanently dethroned of like the main central lesbian yeah 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 um but like lesbians are not this just like monolithic cis white um you know able-bodied like skinny like yeah and also like like gender conforming like a cis woman lesbian is like not even like that's the tip of the iceberg of the di- of of what yeah. the lesbian community yeah. actually looks like and also like. like this is the other thing where people automatically assume gay men to be gender non-conforming especially mm-hmm. in terms of like drag and stuff and like drag yeah. culture but people don't have that same mentality when it comes to lesbians when the thing is is that most like within a patriarchal heteronormative society lesbians are gender non-conforming in that part of what being a woman is is about being attracted to men and being in intimate relationships with men and when you don't do that and when that is not a part of your identity then a part of your womanhood is negated and a part of your womanhood is and for some for some lesbians that is that is an affront to their identity because they identify fully as women and they want to be seen as full real women not as like a diluted version of a woman but for other people like you we like me and me and renaissance we kind of like lean into that mm-hmm. and understanding that yes our relationships to our gender identities and our relationships to um like men are it's very it's these are integral to each other because like gender as a construct and gender as the realities that we exist in our day-to-day lives like we know that even if people look at us and think oh that's a girl oh that's a woman like in in our own experiences like we don't think of ourselves as like women in the way that society actually like creates yeah. this like, th- like the, the box the, of women that's also like when i am when i've gone a while without talking to the cis heads or the locals or whatever i kind of like get like oh my gosh like am i even not like a woman in like that sense or whatever like when i'm only yeah. talking with lesbians i'm like oh yeah i'm i'm a woman or whatever because like within right. that the idea of like womanhood manhood is just out like i forget exactly. that, that, that yes. it exists yes. on the outside but then whenever i'm like thrusted into 
cis head society i'm like oh i'm not like the rest yeah. of the people here like right. i I'm, I'm not like other girls but i'm literally yeah. not like other girls but i'm literally, I'm literally not, like not, girls, not i'm not a girl, a girl. yes <laughs> yeah like, exactly like when when we you know when we're just talking like in our lesbian group chats or when i'm only mm-hmm. talking with other lesbians i'm just i feel more comfortable in womanhood because it's it's unrelated to that it's more tied yeah. to lesbianism as like what yeah. does being a woman in terms of lesbianism mean? yeah instead of in like people just automatically seeing me and being like this is someone who can do reproductive labor and then that's it like that's their snap judgment when lesbianism does not require marking people based on who's able to do reproductive or domestic labor in any way yeah and that is what is more enticing to me about womanhood and lesbianism than womanhood in terms of like patriarchy and cishet society um and that also gets kind of yeah. into within the fact that, like, within our identities as lesbians within the lesbian community, like, the idea of being a butch or being femme or being a stud or being, you know, like, these mm-hmm. identities are, uh, oftentimes they're, like, racialized, oftentimes they are yeah. b- based off, of, you know, gender performance and whatever, but, like, it's also something that I feel like a lot of, like, nouveau lesbians, <laughs> I think <laughs> a lot of, like, younger, younger queer, pe- queer people really don't understand is, first of all, how a lot of these terms are lesbian-specific. Like, stop calling every, like, feminine-presenting person, every person you think as a woman light, femme. That's just not, that's not what a femme is. Like, the term femme is specifically out, coming out of, like, the lesbian community. And it's, and what being a femme really is, is about performing and being who you are in in all of its feminine ways but also like realizing that a it's not for the performance of men it's for the it's for yourself and it's for other women it's for other lesbians it's for other sapphics it's for other queer mm-hmm. people and also the femininity deep- that lesbians are attracted to and the femininity yeah. that straight men are attracted yeah. to so are often two very different so different and it's also like and also something that is so important to the to femme identity is like respect for mask lesbians and yes. respect for butches and that is that is so integral to our history it's so integral to our history which is why i think it is so weird when i see like girls and like or like especially like, lesbians girls. that hate masculine lesbians yes are or, or very les- weird yes it's very weird. weird it's so weird like why why yeah like first of all you would not be able to exist without masculine lesbians like let's get that straight also like studs is specific to the black community like stud is a masculine black lesbian right like pretty much the foundation like the forefront the idea of what being bush is yeah because it's like not only are black women just in general hyper masculinized But then the reclamation of then having no um, interest in being attracted to men and also being masculine and black at the same time. And then there's just like white femme lesbians who just shit on that is yeah. really weird. Very yes. weird behavior. It's but so all, racist. Oh all my of God. this is like tied to the fact that like this history, this language, lesbians existing lesbians existing and wanting to exist separate from men non-men who want to exist separately from men is not biphobic this isn't excluding or or like discrimination like it's not actual oppression against by women it's recognizing that there's a history 
that has that is explicitly against the patriarchy and yes. that and it informs our realities today yes yeah okay we've been talking about this for quite a bit so we have. i think it's time for us to talk about the media that we consume together and something that we talked a lot about in our podcast episode last night that you know disappeared uh, is the idea of like parasocial relationships and also how we view our relationships to other people versus how they view their relationship to us versus how we view other people's relationships to each other like all these the ways that they overlap and inform each other especially as people who to look at and discuss media critically which is why I kind of forced Renaissance <laughs> I invited Renaissance to watch with me one of my favorite YouTube creators and her name is Kimberly uh-huh. and she has a YouTube channel called For Harriet um, and it is a black feminist media pop culture criticism YouTube channel she makes a lot of content about um, like movies TV shows music and musicians celebrities drama within these celebrities uh, and also politics um, and like abolition and the history of racism and the history of um, like drug policing and uh, anti-blackness and anti-fat and like fat phobia and like she makes so much incredible content and she has been for years now and I've been watching her for like years now at this point too um and for a while I was like subscribed to like her patreon and everything um she basically she like she creates these uh she does a lot of recently she's been doing a lot more like live streams and live stream interviews with like scholars who are at the top of their field writing books and doing research about whatever thing that they're talking about like she's done she did a video with uh dr ibram kendi she did a video with uh she did a video with abolitionist Derricka Purnell. She did a video. She's done videos with so many cool, with the person who, Alex S. Vitale, the person who wrote The End of Policing. Like, she's done so many cool interviews with people who's dedicated their life's work to the academic study of things that, like, I'm so, I'm very deeply invested in, right? Like, the liberation of women, uh, the abolition of police, the liberation of, like, people of color and Black people. Like, these things that, like, I care about a lot. lot I care about I care about a lot she kind of like talks about that within the academic sense but also in how she analyzes media uh particularly we've what I've made renaissance watch with me the video where she discusses the movie cuties directed by a Senegalese French like young woman uh about the sexualization of children and like how that that there was a huge craze on twitter like a year ago because of that people were like calling her like a pedophile and like everyone's like no one watch this movie and like people were like trying to get petitions like get it off Netflix or whatever you know and Mm -hmm. and Kim's hot take on it was so like nuanced and interesting so we listened we watched that I also had Renaissance watch with me the video where she talks about WAP and the spectacle of sexual liberation but I think Renaissance fell asleep in the middle of (laughs) I did I have to be honest I do not remember (laughs) the video because I was nighty night yeah and then last night I, I made Renaissance watch with me what did what did we watch last night together we watched the Queen and Slim video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one was really good. Oh, and also the, the Tyler Perry video. Yep, 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 yep. Oh, yes. gosh, Tyler Perry. Yeah. Okay, anyway, you can chat. I'm going to go pee. Okay, great. This is my chatty time. Um, how are all the lesbians out there? I hope you're doing well. To clarify, we don't hate bisexuals. Um, oh, we forgot to mention Sunny. Sunny and I both identified as bisexual for several years before coming out as lesbian. And so 
like speaking from our own experience of like identifying as bisexual for five years and like you know we were the annoying oh yeah well this is a joke we made yesterday so I don't know if, if it's worth repeating I thought it was funny but the annoying bisexual to lesbian terrorist pipeline which I thought was a really good line from last night Okay, I'm taking off my pants because I don't want to wear them, so. Of course. Why would you want to? Why would I? Okay, anyways. So, yeah, what did you, uh, since I was the one who, like, forced you to watch this with me, what, did, what, what are your thoughts on Miss Kim and her hot takes from what you've seen? I really like them. You had recommended her channel to me before you forced me at Digital Gunpoint to watch these right. videos. Right. And, um... So I I watched maybe one or two that I had really liked, and it rem- she reminded me a lot of another YouTuber. Although I think her her commentary is a bit more highbrow, um, and a bit more just like just the experience critical. that comes, yeah, critical yeah. and just the experience that comes with working it like just the practice of critical thought. I yeah. think it's just more sharpened yeah. and heightened. Yeah, on it's her like- channel. Uh huh. Um, but the YouTuber that she reminded me of is the channel called um, Ada or Ada, I can't remember, On Demand. Um, and she's a bit of a smaller YouTuber. I mean, YouTube now is so big that, like, small is, like... It, it, Less than 100K subscribers, yeah. Because, literally, so because she has 73.9 thousand subscribers. So that's, like, a healthy following. That's a lot of but, people. Like, that's, like, the size of, yeah. like a country come on (laughs) yeah no that's a lot of people it's just like youtube is so big that like it feels small um but i really like her videos i think they're well done it's like pop culture and kind of political analysis yeah i Um, watch a lot of other like media analysis youtube channels i don't think we've like talked about the ones that like we we watch but like i I really like do you watch um, ada on demand maybe let me look and see if i've seen any of her videos um do you watch do you watch uh fuck, fuck, anyways fuck. i recommend and and I, I could see with years to come her becoming uh what's the is the channel named for harriet yeah yeah i i could see her channel becoming that i just think that there's there's less um like intimate knowledge of theory and like liberation in yeah. itself like like she yeah. raises upon those ideas um it doesn't exactly pin them down what's it but, called uh, ada on demand yeah a d a d a on demand um uh gotcha oh okay okay yeah so yeah um other people that i watch who make more like like film analysis videos almost like like you know like nerd writer uh like that type of content do you know who Nerd Rider One is? No. What? Okay. Well, that's the next. Pe- that's the next YouTube people. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna harass you into watching with me. Basically. Okay. Um. So basically, like, uh, oh my gosh, there's so many. Like, Issa De Leon. Like, there's so many smaller and larger. Like Yara's Yara Jade. Yara Zade. Like her content is super cool. Like, I do so many different like media. Who? Okay, and they have political analysis and pop culture analysis and media analysis to different degrees like within each category you know and I think that I think that Kimberly does a very good job at hitting all three um 
to the height at which she does her criticism because she talks mm-hmm. about the artistry of the work she talks about the politics of the work and she talks about the social implications and how people react to it all basically in equal measure in this very intelligent way and like she uh, from what i can tell the editing in her videos is like slim to none and she basically posts like not unedited live streams of her talking and responding to people um on in the chat and stuff where it's she just doesn't ever miss a beat she never says an um and never says a like never says she just fucking and just even like i don't even know how scripted the stuff she says is because it's so it's like she it's so natural it's so conversational yet so perfect like she was a speech and debater and it's so obvious you know and she was a speech and debater who like swept every tournament like you can tell from how from how she presents her uh media analysis and her opinions and she she was also she also has a bachelor's in arts from uh harvard in african-american history and studies i think uh and like it really shows in all of her analysis and everything that she says about media that is largely about black people and created by black people um and i think that like i don't know i just really respect her as someone who like can creates like content and engages with content at the same time like i think that's really cool yeah it's definitely what i aspire to be i don't think that i i don't think i'd be able to reach that like the level of professionalism right... that like yeah. she exudes like yeah. I, like this isn't the right word but I won't say like crispness like there's mm-hmm. just like so yes. on point it's yes. just it is fresh it is good yes it's, it's like a no perfect script found. Yes. yes you know when you see like a screenplay and it's like fucking flawless every yeah. word every bit of punctuation every use of slang every you everything is perfect and that's how she does it like it's incredible and it's it's satisfying to watch especially i'm thinking of watching the the clean and slim commentary video it's just so there's not an aspect in a detail that is not perfectly accounted for in her analysis and it's not to say that she nitpicks or um splits hairs or anything when she is talking about the film but just the the analysis is so watertight Mm. on all the aspects yes. that you and she mentioned. acknowledges all the potential criticisms she feels yes all of the no, like, that she th- like that's the thing is that there's no point where like when I'm like oh but what about this and that's always the next thing that she says like right. she, everything is accounted for yes in in a very just and, and also just her presentation is really good like yes. it's well presented yes um, not only like our correct I think yes. not only are they yes. analysis just like uh-huh. yeah and that's even if what you don't is. agree with her opinions it's probably because a you're uninformed or b you guys mm-hmm. fundamentally are looking at it differently and that's yeah. not the fault of her you can probably still enjoy her content and like be like oh yeah this makes sense and but learn I also think something that- from it Yes, and she always, and, like, because of the way that she engages with her following and with people, like, she does, she changes what she does so, so frequently based off of, you know, her audience and what people are engaging with, and she has direct conversations with people who are commenting who in, in her live streams, on her Patreon, in, like, in everything, and 
she like when she was talking in like 2018 when she was making videos and talking about prison abolition and people were like what the fuck is that she's like made so much content about it since like she's made videos that specifically address questions that people have like oh well what do you do about the abusers and the rapists there's this very good live stream video of her well i don't know if it's a live stream i think it's just like a zoom recording of her interviewing someone who a woman who wrote a book about gendered violence within the carceral state and how the carceral state actually further enacts it as opposed to curbs it and like i feel like that you know kimberly asks her the questions that her audience immediately bring up when you are asked when you are presented with the concept of a world without prisons where it's like Mm -hmm. okay but what about like the bad men what about the people who've done that like she asks those questions and she presents it in a way and also engages with the people who who do have like she she she's so good at pulling in people who know more than her even though she knows so much already and referencing articles and referencing books and referencing other things that inform her analysis like she and i think present- what's awesome about her is that she is so incredibly smart and it you can just see it in her demeanor in yeah. the content that she makes like even if not a one single video video shows the like how smart she is like you you know like there's no question about yes. it but yes. she's not condescending she's not yes. talking down she doesn't say anything with the assumption that you should have already known this or you should have already right. thought of this and, and as original as her takes present herself as like a jesus figure anything yes yeah and it, and the like that has to do with just what you think also like the more intelligent you are the less you have to kind of like thrust that into someone's but you can just For exist sure. as a smart person and she yes. has just like reached that that beautiful cross-section of intelligence and still learning like that's evidence yes. and, and confidence and, and confidence and yeah and it's just it like all when you are so reassured content. and confident within your in your own knowledge like you don't have to justify or try to prove anything to anyone because mm-hmm. you don't have to you know you are like I love what but she's are... well sourced yes. she has yes. the backing exactly but it's, and it's you not don't un- even un-based. have to ask her yeah. for it because you just right. know that, that work is there yes and and she and she does she gives us the citations she gives us the references she gives us what her analysis is coming out of and she tells us you know initially when I like in some of her older videos when she's talking when she's talking about how she got into the idea of into like prison abolition and these concepts and grappling with them is she talks about like you know initially I I have had a lot of these same questions that you guys because in those videos especially you know three years ago like her comments are so oftentimes when when what you know when a creator blows up like you'll get so many trolls or you'll get people who are not engaging with your content in good faith obviously um Mm -hmm. and we see this I think this proliferates more and more with mediums such as like TikTok and like oh gosh the the way that social media because it's profit driven creates this toxic environment for that like furthers furthers a parasocial relationship that you know is based you know in influencer culture it's based in trying to sell you things or trying to market something to you but I think that with Kim with Kimberly like with the For Harriet channel she what she markets to you and what she's asking for you to buy into what she's asking you to consume it is her thoughts her opinions and her well-informed researched opinions Um, and, and that is valuable and that is worth your time well-researched opinions are 
worth more than things that you pull out of your ass, even For if sure. they're both opinions. You can Which say why, all opinions yes. are subjective, yes. but that doesn't mean that you cannot uh, like further out and fully develop an opinion with research. That is inherently yeah. more valuable than someone yeah. just saying something off the top of their head. Exactly. And Which that's just why... on like what your favorite color is. Like what your favorite yes. color is doesn't actually change materially. <laughs> like, yes. like, but the way that her opinions and that's what I mean like her takes are so just fully developed like it's all there that there is no flaw or fault in them unless you just completely disagree with her perspective in general like if if you are not of that like like if you don't already agree with black feminism if you don't already agree with anti-capitalism if you don't already agree with these frameworks then you know then it's, having, it's just not going to appeal right, to you but that's right. not but it's, her but it's also fault. like that's not right, a fault of her content right, that doesn't right. mean that her content is bad that just means that you have a different perspective exactly. on something and a wrong perspective and like I, she, I, yes exactly and it's like she and that's the other thing she doesn't pander or she doesn't like try to explain things to people by tr- like by trying to kind of explain her humanity as a black woman like she doesn't she's not trying to convince racists to not be racist like something that's very interesting with other youtube creators who make like political content for example like like contrapoints for example like she grapples with a lot of uh, an audience that is like really you know like greasy incel like men who whom she is trying to convince uh to not be to not hate women or she's trying to convince like turfs to like not hate trans people and that's how her rhetoric is based and that's how her content is formed but with like kim like kim is not approaching it with the sense of trying to prove to you why she's right she's Which just I applying think her convincing. analysis i think just not even addressing oh but what about white supremacy or whatever something yeah. of that nature yeah is more con- just presenting black feminism as correct presenting w- when talking about queen and slim the humanity do we have a guess Hold on, the- huh. anyways what the fuck were we talking about <laughs> we're talking about how kim like just presents black right. humanity instead of trying to argue that it exists or that it is valid she just presents it as right. truth inherently like and I think that, that is that. yeah and I think that is more convincing and more powerful than because when you argue with someone you have to give that other side some validity even if like you yeah. think that it's dumb even yeah. engaging with it to kind of debate or to debunk in any way is it's it, validating it, it yeah just that because, you, because you why... have to address points that they make as though they are points that could that are have validity yeah right in any and, way and that that's one thing that i always struggled with when i did competitive speech and debate um was that oh. sometimes there were things that were it, before i had the language before I, I i engaged with theory but i knew in my in my gut of sorts that it it, it wasn't worth <laughs> debating that they were inherently flawed takes and also having to argue that was very difficult mm-hmm. um like should we send five or seven bombs to this particular country or whatever yes. or something like that when you're having high schoolers debate war crimes um literally I, I was never interested in that aspect um but she doesn't even yeah legitimize even. yeah those, which is why like, the, the the concept of especially these like 
white leftist quote unquote like tiktokers or like fucking like youtubers and whatever that like every day on leftist twitter people will complain about these like quote unquote bread tubers or whatever being annoying online or or these influencers who get clout by like arguing with nazis on huge platforms where it's like this is the thing you you're not doing anything to people who do that who engage in good faith with like nazis can you, you engage it with good faith or can you engage with Nazis in good faith? Like, what are you doing? You're trying Is that to even own- possible? You're trying to epically own and debunk them? Girl, please. Like, what are... The priorities are so out of whack. Like, you, what are you... Why are you more... Like, this is the thing. I feel like so many, especially, like, white people, are so much more concerned with the spectacle of being correct and being praised for being correct than they are with trying to, like, materially improve the conditions of them, their communities and of the and world. And that is why Europe has been plagued with neoliberalism, while countries in the global south actually work on liberation. Yes. Um, and because... For example, France. France. Ne- Fr- we need to delete France, first of all. Just Agreed. The, Agreed. the world has progressed past the past need, the for, need France. for France. Um, but they have just... One thing that I do, I think is a little funny about French people, is that when they, like, rioting in the United States, it isn't really rioting. Like, maybe, like, we saw, like, a, a flash of it in the summer, but it's really just people with signs chanting in the streets whatever in france they light police officers on fire and but also because their police officers are not like fucking armed to the neck right like the thing is is that in in the u.s in talking about how brutal military repression happens you know globally in different countries that are either fundamentally colonial or you know backed by colonial governments they like you know in i i don't like in China, like I'm Chinese, so haha, um, haha. <laughs> with you. Uh, like in China, something that I I heard a lot when I when I go to China was, oh my gosh, like you're from America, what? How? That's so dangerous. People can own guns there. Like people can, and like that's so. Interesting. Owning guns is fine as long as you're not a fascist. Yes, yes, for sure. But it's like. Not that I'm against gun ownership, especially, like, as a Marxist, like, you know, keep the proletariat armed, etc. But the thing is, is that, like, it's so interesting that, like, in, like, the police in, like, China do not walk around with fucking four different types of weapons around their body. Whereas the fucking guy who pulls you over for running a traffic light in this country is liable to kill you at any time with no consequences. There were... I remember I my heart would race so fast when the campus in high school around minors everyone in a high school is a, maybe there's like a couple seniors that are 18 yeah. everyone is a minor there was a police officer with a gun yes. in his holster right. walking around like with yeah. thousands literally thousands of children around him yeah which That's I terrifying. mean I guess like with like you just assume that he's not going to shoot a child, but there's no guarantee that that's yeah. not going to happen yeah. because he has a gun in the high yeah. school. And also it's like in, in, in my public high school, we would see people get fucking arrested, dragged out yeah. of the by there administrators. Was, someone was body slammed <laughs> on the concrete. Literally. literally the like the level of brutality. I have seen more violence oh and like 
pseudo state violence within a public high school against minors than I have like in in the world like like walking right. around in like, like the outside. real world yeah right. there's more violence within but by like authority figures yes in high like just in high school yeah and, and not even to talk about how so they weird. treat how they treat disabled kids neurodivergent kids and like the like uh, seeing people on tiktok talk about their experiences being in the quote-unquote like special ed programs and like being put in like padded like lock rooms or whatever for hours at a time completely isolated like the ways that out like the okay i mean not to derail and talk about like the public school system and how and i mean all pub all schools we but we should we need to do an episode on yes. american public schools Yes, because Please. it's so evil. The way that it's all, first of all, it's all constructed to churn out workers for the corporate I world. I was going to, the only thing that public schools in America trains you for is either to go to prison or to be. Yes, exactly. But because, that's the two options. And they, yeah. the, the school system mimics both of them. The school exactly. system mimics prison and prison. like Pr- hot co- labor. Like, it yes. Is, like, it, it's, it sounds hyperbolic to say that high school is like a prison in training but like think but- about it you can't leave you have to ask someone to go use the bathroom you have to ask mm-hmm. someone to like eat. you need permission to like you can eat. be subjected to violence at any at moment. any time you can be like publicly shamed humiliated and like beat down like you can literally get in fights i mean okay listen in high school i should have gotten to more fights because what could what could they have done the teachers stand there and tell you to stop they'll try to like you know mitigate the fight but like they can't you know they at the end of the day, they're te- like as teachers, they kind of are there to you know, quote unquote, protect you and educate you. So, but it's like, but it's like the way that the way that the schools are like modeled off of like carceral systems and and preparing you for a life that is you know not to be all Foucault or whatever everything is a prison but like it it really really within a capitalist society and within especially in a colonial state the the truth of that is just so so fucking real and I think that like and also like it is entirely based it is always based upon the idea that the american way is like superior and is that is the moral good and objective that everyone should be striving for it's literally when, when it's literally the worst it's the worst education it's like one of the worst education systems possible to, to in terms of in terms of the academic work that people are turning out because god knows high, like high schoolers in america are not educated to the degree that high schoolers in other countries are in terms of the uh, like post-revolutionary and communist society, there's obviously public schooling, but that is not the public school that currently exists. Like the right. like public school yeah. in America right now is not a socialist schooling. Is not a yeah. It, it, it's not that you know. Mm. And I I grew up uh, the child of a public school teacher. My mom worked in teachers' unions. Like that is the space that most of my childhood was like in like that's what I saw that was that heavily influenced my view of public education and as much as I value public school teachers and I appreciate the work that some of them do emphasis on some of them because some of them are literal Nazis um, who are trying to push Nazi propaganda let's talk about the fucking pedophiles pedophiles literally like just the nature of the united states and it's and like how authority works on every level from the workplace with your managers and your bosses to where you live with your landlords and with the banks to schools with the teachers and the principals and the fucking cops there to the legal system the system itself 
does not benefit or does not encourage good teachers that are doing good work. Like, that's very much on an individual yeah. basis. Yeah. Like, the, sa- the same way that, like, the, the fact that the institution of, like, policing or the institution of, like, yeah. you know, addressing our health care and addressing mental health, these institutions, because they're set up in a way that is fundamentally not beneficial to us as individuals and us as a community and us as people, they're these institutions that are, you know, for profit and also the, like, old ass things that have not that are that are not have not really been questioned in their structure in such a long time literally the education system in america has not changed like it came from the industrial revolution yeah and it stayed that way like it has not the same way that like police has come came from slave patrols and it hasn't developed past that either like it's all it's and like i think you know tying this back to what we're talking about in terms of um, in terms of like what Kimberly does for her for Harriet channel in how mm-hmm. she deconstructs these institutions in 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 discussing how they are fundamentally wrong and how they are fundamentally fucked up in how in in how she analyzes the media that comes out of the world and society that we are in. And yeah. speaking of schools, this kind of transitions us into the third part of this podcast, <laughs> which is giving giving you and also renaissance or yeah. some, respectively our media recommendations uh, today this is I... where we flip the prison school system and we actually give you good things to to educate yourself with yes yeah. indeed but um a a piece of media that i a, a book that i finished reading today uh i listened to it on, via hoopla on audiobook checked it out from my library um and this book is called Confessions by Kane Minato, I believe. Uh, it is a translated from Japanese, and it I think it's like a contemporary work of, it's like a thriller, right? It's a thriller set in a school, set in the middle school, where the, at the very beginning of the book, we find out that we are in the perspective of a middle school teacher. She is a single mom, and she is, uh, she is addressing an audience of her, like, seventh grade classroom or whatever. And her daughter was recently murdered on the school campus. Uh, but the thing is, is that no one thought it was a murder, but she's addressing her audience of these middle schoolers being like, my daughter was murdered and one of you did it. Actually, two of you did it. So that's the premise of the story. Uh, her stu- some of her students murdered her child. And uh, the book is kind of following the the events that occurred leading up to it and also the situation of that but also we get the perspectives of the people who did murder her child we get the perspectives of the other kids in the classroom we get the perspective obviously her we get the perspectives of other people in every other chapter it will in every new chapter um and because it's a thriller mystery crime novel we see as things unfold and our perspectives on people change and this is also really into i mean hold on i need to i need to pee <laughs> mid-sentence mid no, this. I think this is a great time for you to take a pee break, Sunny. In the middle of your sentence, don't even, don't even finish the thought. Just get up, get up and go. This would be like if a pilot in the middle of a plane landing was like, "I think I'm just gonna get up and take a pee break real quick. You'll figure it out. This will be fine." I'm so upset that we lost the episode last night. It was so good, but. You, our dear listeners, uh, have no idea what I'm talking about. 
you haven't heard it and you never will hear it but it was a really fun conversation (laughs) and I'm sure that that really sucks to hear but there will be more episodes so and our episode for next week y'all y'all better stay listening because our episode for next week is so exciting and hopefully I'll tell you more when Sunny gets back also let's take a note of professionalism I have not taken a pee break this entire episode recording so I think that's worth something but that's also because Sunny drank like two giant mugs of tea within this episode alone so that's true I am addicted to tea it's and among other things but (laughs) (laughs) anyways so the reason why I brought up the fact that it it brings in these multiple perspectives about the same situation is that a book that I basically forced renaissance to read (laughs) at gunpoint once again um is is the book The Divines by Ellie Eaton, which is about uh, boarding school and girls and, uh, yes, stuff like that. Okay, but anyways, the reason why I brought this up is because next week on our podcast, we actually will be interviewing the author. Well, I'm so excited. I'm yes. buzzing. Yes, Absolutely I'm buzzing. Uh, I think she's British, so we're gonna... <laughs> um, basically we are very excited to interview her and, and we've been talking about this book and it's been informing a lot of our perspectives and inform and it inform it, it and it informed our discussions last night on our podcast episode that was fucking deleted and now doesn't exist uh in terms of how we talked about like parasocial relationships and also relationships and uh, with in general um and the reason why i think that that is a through line within this book uh is that the way that we get into the heads of all of these characters is so fucking fascinating because it's like every chapter you learn you you learn more about the 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 wholeness of the situation um even though you're presented with the same set of facts in the same situation it becomes altered merely by the perspectives that are offered which happens a lot within the divines so that's that's a book that i wanted to recommend to you and i know i've been recommending a lot of like thriller and crime novels and stuff uh especially like even last episode that you heard episode three um and it's because last time we we were discussing Stella Bomkovist which is a like crime uh thriller like tv show but I think that uh something renaissance doesn't like uh media about teenagers (laughs) so I forgot um, that I didn't like it because I rarely ever there are two things that are about teenagers that I like And one is Stranger Things and the other one is Sex Education. And both of those are so removed from what teenagehood actually looks like that I forget that it's about teenagers and that's fine. But things that are based, like, about teenagers, I I do not like it. But I think that's why that speaks so highly of the Divines because I really, really liked that book. Even though it's about boring school teenagers and their shenanigans. Yeah. I think because it it oscillates between her adult life and the boarding school is is what makes it work. And it's being told from her adult perspective about the past. And I think that's that's what makes it work for me. And in this book, In Confessions by Kane Minato, um, (laughs) we're not in the perspective, we don't follow any teenagers at all. They're all kids. They're all like yeah no kids are 12. great i love yeah. kids it's teenagers that i yes I yes 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 i can't be ours yes. to listen to right um is that your main recommendation can i give you mine yes give me yours but afterwards I, i've been only recommending books uh i was gonna recommend you oh wait hold on 
I have another book recommendation and then I have a movie recommendation, but can, but you, but you give me yours. Okay. So mine is a YouTube channel. This is throwing it back to our earlier conversation in this episode about YouTubers and for Harriet. This YouTuber that I'm recommending is Evelyn from the internet. And have you watched her before? No, don't know who that is. She is a black creative and very pro-black creative she's had a number of viral videos a couple years ago um she her one of her videos was a reaction to Beyonce's album Lemonade and and a clip from her YouTube video was used during Beyonce's Lemonade tour um and she's made other really cool videos it's less of a commentary like she does some things but really it's just pro-black creativity and I just Every video that she makes is great. She used to make weekly videos, but now she's kind of stepped back from that creative process and more does like batches of videos. Um, So like she'll take a moment, make like five videos and then release those over the course of five weeks and then take some time off and do other projects. So the posting is a bit more regular now than it has. There's a lot of videos up that I think are worth going back and watching her things. And it's, it's just good creative content she's from texas she um her parents are uh african immigrants so i believe she's first generation in the united states and she does a lot of videos about the immigrants having african immigrant parents experience but also like she grew up black in the united states so she kind of has like double perspective of african culture like from africa and also black culture as it developed in the united states um and you can really see that in the videos and some of the sketches that she produces that I just think are very it's fun good high quality content that's fun to watch she has a great personality um and I just think it's is more pro-black creative content on top of for Harriet and the other channel Ada on Demand I think like that would be like a perfect try like if they ever did a collab with the three of them that would be like my favorite black youtuber collab ever yeah that but but cool. they, they all kind of like fall in that creative sphere. Like I think if, if you like one of those three, you like yeah. those are valuable recommendations for the others. Yeah, for sure. So the movie recommendation I want well actually no, let me talk about the book. So this is another literary fiction novel about an adult woman that, and it it's not like the divine. Wait, are you doing all. the book first or the movie first? Book. Book, book, book. Okay. It's more really because it's more related to the divines in that it's the same genre of like literary fiction about a grown woman uh and like also the reflections on their past Mm -hmm. and that book is such a fun age by kylie reed this book the reason why i last well actually earlier today this was the book that i was thinking about recommending to you uh when i was talking when i was trying to think about different things to recommend to you that were different from what we recorded last night and the reason why Mm -hmm. i thought of this book immediately was because i remember I think that the the something that we both really enjoyed about the divines is how how things unraveled and we kind of get we get reveals of people's character uh, and how they change and how they've changed based off of other people's perception throughout time and that's kind of a theme throughout you know that that podcast episode uh, and this one um, and I think this book does a really good job of doing this because basically the concept behind this book such a funny and also it deals with like being black on the internet dealing with the police state and stuff but in this way 
like what we've been talking about today but in this way that is so funny it's so fucking funny and it's nuanced and it's crazy okay so this book is about a millennial black woman who is a nanny she's like a babysitter she's nanny and that's her job and she feels like she is not really getting anywhere in her adult life meanwhile all of her friends are like in law school or medical school have real jobs she feels like she's kind of behind that's kind of a theme throughout the story but basically at the very beginning of the story this little girl that she babysits uh i think this is in new york city i'm pretty sure yeah this little girl that she babysits is this white girl named i think briar uh this little white girl who's precious she's adorable and like her parents are this like bubbling white man guy and this woman named alix um and our main character what's her name i'm forgetting her name uh amira so amira Mm -hmm. works for alix right alix hires amira to be her nanny to watch her child and because of that amira and her child has like a very a fun little nanny kid relationship Mm -hmm. well the in the initial the what's the fucking word the the inciting incident of the story within the first chapter of the book wow that really took a moment for me um (laughs) the inciting incident of the book is that like amira is out clubbing with her girls and she gets a call like 11 on like a saturday and alix is like hey i'm so sorry something came up can you please take briar to the grocery store for like a hot minute and like you know go to the grocery store near my house and like have her look at the nuts and like <laughs> look at the aisles and like you know basically occupy her for maybe like 30 minutes or an hour as mm-hmm. me and my husband are trying to deal with this problem so amira comes takes the girl takes her to the nearby grocery store by their house and it's like a very nice like bougie like affluent area <laughs> in the city and so it's like a fucking like rich ass grocery store and so she's standing in there she's wearing her like club outfit she's wearing like so she's like in her she's in her like clubbing fit and she's with Mm -hmm. a little girl and she's a black woman and this little girl is this like blonde white girl and basically something happens where the this like white lady in the store thinks that amira like kidnapped the child and then the oh god yes and then the security store guy like the the security guy at the store like comes over and is like but there's this white guy who's like kind of watching all of this and he films it so he films this happening and amira who's not really on social media or anything goes viral uh because of her response to this lady being like that's not your child why what do you do who is that lady you know to the Mm -hmm. little girl um and so basically that happens and this changes everything for Amira uh, and this changes the nature of their whole relationship so in every perspective in every chapter of this book we alternate perspectives between Amira and Alix uh this book also we talked about little fires everywhere in our bonus episode this book kind of reminds me of little fires everywhere because Alix is kind of the Reese Witherspoon of the book <laughs> Alix is a rich white lady who is she thinks she's really well-meaning she thinks she she comes from like wealth she's like she is and she's a girl boss okay she this book is during is set during like 2016 i think and alix like is like working for like not alix has a little girl boss ceo business about like letter writing or whatever some 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 gay ass shit like that and alix basically 
runs this company and she's like collabing with the Hillary Clinton team. Ah, uh, and like she is just so annoying in how because okay, in the the synopsis of this book, we see. I mean, what does the synopsis say? How does the synopsis say? Alix Chamberlain is a woman who gets what she wants and has made a living with her confidence-driven brand showing other women how to do the same. Girl boss, once again. So she is shocked when her babysitter, Amira Tucker, is confronted while watching the Chamberlain's toddler one night, walking the aisles of their local high-end supermarket. The store security guard, seeing a young black woman out late with a white child, accuses Amira of kidnapping two-year-old Briar. Small crowd gathers, a bystander films everything, and Amira is furious and humiliated. Alix resolves to make things right. But Amira herself is aimless, broke, and wary of Alix's desire to help. At 25, she's about to lose her health insurance and has no idea what to do with her life. When the video of Amira goes public and unearths someone from Alix's past, both women find themselves on a crash course that will upend everything they think they know about themselves and with each other. With sympathy and piercing social commentary, Such a Fun Age explores the stickiness of transactional relationships what it means to make someone quote-unquote family, and the complicated reality of being a grown-up. It is a searing debut for our times. And this is the other thing that's similar to The Divines, that this is a debut novel, and it's mm. so good. Like, I mean, I know there's, I, some of my friends aren't don't really like it, but I think it is, like, one time, you know, our friends Yosef and Alma, yeah. one time I, I virtually sat them down via FaceTime and explained the entire plot of this book cover to cover to them in my own words after I finished reading it uh and they were like what friend of yours has not been victim to this that's true that is true um basically they (laughs) after I finished explaining it they were like Sammy that was very wild and that sounds like a really fun book and a really fun story and very crazy and insane and epic and awesome so I think that them thinking that is a good reason for you to to pick this book up. Oh, I also okay. yeah. The thing As is another that, one of your black victims. queer friends. <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, I will like, read it. I mean, there's That's not the I'm... one follow through between Yosef Alma and I. We're all black queers, so I hope you recognize. You're all this mixed friend. too. Isn't that so funny? <laughs> I don't think Alma is mixed. Yeah, she's Puerto Rican. Yeah, I think her mom is white though. It's like a white Puerto Rican. Oh, yeah. Alma, I know we're best friends. I'm so sorry if I didn't know your mom's <laughs> talking about these people as if anyone, any of these people know who. Anyway, okay, so. <laughs> and um, yeah, like our podcasts exist within a universe of its own, where yes. all of our friends know each it's other. It's the you know, Sunny and Renaissance alternate universe. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So yeah. Anyways, this is this book I would recommend. Um, and wait, I was gonna say something else, but I literally just forgot it. So oh yeah like queer themes in it so sorry but Uh, like the thing is is that it doesn't even need that element of it everything else about it is just so everything needs to be gay it's because it's a satire of heterosexuality like it kind of and Mm. and it talks about like the nature of like interracial relationships and you know relationships between like relationships that like black women have with each other but also relationships that like black women have with like like white men in a romantic sense and then the reversal of that like it's very interesting and how it talks about like how it talks about fetishization on a friendship level and on a relationship level and how it can play out in different ways and how racism and anti-blackness uh it doesn't it embodies itself in different people in different ways that can oftentimes be 
not only tragic but fucking hilarious because the white people are so fucking clueless as to what is actually going on uh and anyways yeah the the dual perspective the insanity of it and the way that the plot all carries out is something i think you would enjoy oh oh this is what i was gonna say i listened to this on audiobook partially because i was having a hard time struggling through the physical copy of it because it's so cringeworthy it's one of those books that it does the things that I don't like about TV shows, which is makes you feel embarrassed, right? That's why I don't really like TV I shows. I think that's, that's a you thing. I don't think TV makes people feel embarrassed. I think you just feel embarrassed while watching TV. Yeah. This book gave me the same feelings of being fucking embarrassed for the characters and for what was going on. Uh, be- and so because of that, I couldn't listen to the audiobook at certain points. I had to just read it with my eyes. And I would like fling the book across the room at every time. Like something really bad would happen. <laughs> And I'd be like, no, no, and just like screaming at the book, like losing my fucking mind. So yeah. Anyway, there's there's that. Um, do you have another recommendation for me? No. Usually we go one for one, but you had some extras. Oopsie. But they're good because the other one I'm gonna recommend to you uh-huh. is a movie. So finally, not a book this time. And this movie. I talked a little bit about um, in our bonus episode when I was talking about what I look for in media and what I prioritize um, and what I really enjoy. The movie mm-hmm. that I think you need to watch is Sorry to Bother You, directed by Boots Riley, 2018. Um, oh, you, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've talked to you about this. It, this yeah. movie is another, like, wild satire on racial capitalism and mental health, specifically. Uh, and we're following this guy who's played by Lakeith Stanfield. <clears throat> Sorry, I just had a very nasal moment over there. <clears throat> Lakeith Stanfield. <laughs> and Tessa Thompson is his love interest. I see. I know that Tessa Thompson is in it, and I've seen pictures of her character. Her in it. Like, yes. Her in it. Yeah. Yes. Basically, they're in a relationship, and they're living in someone's garage <laughs> at the beginning of the movie. And the character that Lakeith plays uh just trying to find a job and ends up getting this job at a telemarketing company and the tele the telemarketing company uh basically they it's interesting because there's the conversation of like no you need to use your white voice while doing the calls and like selling the idea of whiteness to our customers and the way that that's presented is so interesting but then we see how our main character elevate like escalates through the through the heights of this corporation meanwhile his co-workers are trying to organize a union and a strike uh and meanwhile they're living in this semi-dystopian near future world where a company that's almost similar to amazon is basically like taken over and like is doing this very fucking dystopian whack-ass shit uh and army hammer's in it too he plays he plays himself not the murderer the cannibal yeah literally but the thing is the army hammer plays himself in sorry to bother you he literally plays himself in the rich white dickwad ceo dude uh he literally and anyway this book satirizes again it satirizes racial capitalism in a fascinating way and it takes so many twists and turns that and it's so funny in the most bizarre ways like it'll it like punches you in the face how crazy everything is and how fast-paced it is and 
I don't know. It's just one of my favorite. It's literally one of my favorite movies of all time. Up there with Birds of Prey. So. <laughs> wow. They kind and of we all know me. how much you love Birds yes. of Prey. They kind of remind me of each other in how it delivers the messaging in a way that's like very fun and crazy. And like the bright colors and like the really dramatic interludes of like musical and theatric scenes, you know. Anyway, it's, I really enjoyed it. So. Yes. I that that is a movie that I I'm very interested to watch. And as you were describing it, I remember when the trailer came out for it. I just don't think I I ever took the time to actually watch it. Um, but I, I remember the buzz around this movie. Mm, yeah. So. Very interesting. So I think that is our episode. So I don't have any other recommendations off the top. Yeah. But how exciting for next week cuz we're going to have Ellie Eaton on. Um, Hell yeah! And talk about the divines, which I'm so excited about. Um, and yeah, this was it. We talked about <laughs> annoying bisexuals. We right. talked about lesbians existing and how lesbians are not inherently biphobic for existing. Uh, yeah, for existing. We talked about great uh, critical analysis of pop culture and commentary from the For Harriet YouTube page and some other like adjacent YouTube channels that we think Uh do really good work. Uh, We talked about how public schools are a prison, which I think just is correct. That is a correct statement. Yes. Um, And then we finally did some recommendations with Sunny's recommendations of such a fun age by Kylie Reed. Sorry to bother you. Directed by Boots Riley, and the con- Confessions by Kane Minato. And I recommended the YouTube channel Evelyn from the Internet. We hope you guys liked this podcast episode. So so sorry that you did not get to listen to the last episode from last night. I, let's, but... let's let's do a little recap of what we talked about last night. Last night we yeah. talked about Kayla, and that we did talk about Kayla bled into some bisexual discourse from last. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, uh, well, it's talk- like it is our really, really close, intimate girl friendships. Yeah, still friendships are okay. are they inherently romantic? Friendly? And that led us into the the, yeah, the media friends. that we talked about, which was Gabby and Allison of the Just Between Us channel. No, and- I think we're we're eventually gonna have to do rounds two on that video because I'm right. still not fully healed. It's been fucking reeling from that shit. Uh, insane. And then we did other recommendations. I think the recommendation, if I remember correctly, what you told me was to watch the Paris Hilton documentary on YouTube. Yes. And I this told you to read uh the another thriller about women killing evil men called they never learn by lane uh lane fargo and that book is a book that i'm actually doing a youtube live show with with books and lala and perks of steph who are other booktubers um and i also think i recommended to you nama by sarah blake yes Uh, so yeah that's a quick recap quick there were great quotes great revelations great ties the, the ties between Kayla Gallison and the Divines was really spectacular. Impeccable. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe once we let these thoughts ruminate and marinate in our minds for a little bit, we will go back to those topics to see if we have anything else to hash out. But it just it would not have worked to have had that exact conversation, lose the audience conversations. It, it just wouldn't have worked. Um. So this is this week's episode. Hopefully we'll go back to our regular Friday schedule if 
one of us is not near death or have any technological uh, complications like the past two weeks. Um, So hopefully we'll get back to that and our just regular, great, fiery, witty, the charm that you all from Sunny and Renaissance. Of course. Um, If you have any comments or questions or you know you want to talk to us you can email us at the lavender menace podcast at gmail.com we've gotten some emails from listeners in the past weeks and yeah. it's been really it's so wonderful to it is so much fun i we love reading your emails um you, we can also find me on instagram at sunny with a camera on youtube at a sunny book nook and on twitter at a sunny book nook and you can find me on youtube and instagram at renaissance marie and you can find me on twitter at renaissance the first e is an x and my display name is now finally just Renaissance Marie. So hopefully that will make it easier to find me instead of searching Renaissance titties. <laughs> <laughs> Renaissance, me in the Renaissance, search bar. Renaissance yeah. titties. Renaissance ah, yes. titties. And then you just get a bunch of medieval corsets. Yeah. That's the, the great thing about my name on like in public or on social media being Renaissance Marie is that if anyone tries to Google me, all they get is like bad Marie Antoinette halloween costumes (laughs) so i'm essentially anonymous unless you're like specifically looking for me yeah for sure all right so that was it for today thanks so much for Mm -hmm. tuning in subscribe share etc bye bye